More Jersey chaos. The Marlins throwback teals officially seemingly in the bin. How do fans feel about that one? Equally, I want to talk about arbitration and something that is really bothering me around arbitration that I think is avoidable and could take a lot of the sting away from arbitration and this whole process, to be honest with you. So we're going to dig into that. Plus, rumors, more rumors. The Marlins, are they talking to Gio Ursula and could he be a good fit? We'll see. <laughs> this is Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England. Welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins pod. I'm your host, Peter Pratt. Hit me up, of course, on X at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Of course, if you're listening to the pod, firstly, greetings. Secondly, make sure you hit subscribe and leave a review. Why not? Let all your friends know how good this podcast is. <laughs> or it isn't. Uh, unfiltered reviews are exactly what we're looking for, right? Uh, this is your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. And welcome to the Thursday episode. Yes, sir. We are deep into February already. It's Thursday, the 8th of Feb. I'm actually recording this a day earlier. So uh, there could be a lag. This could age poorly. Sometimes these situations, they end up blowing up in your face. Nevertheless, there is a YouTube channel. Make sure you hit subscribe over on the YouTube channel as well. There is a sponsor for this episode. And that sponsor is our good friends over at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On for 20 bucks off your first purchase. And guys, we have three topics to talk about today. Three defined topics. We've got two ads. So there's going to be three topics with some ads sandwiched in there. And we're going to get out of here. That's the roadmap. What are the topics? Jersey issues. Isaac Azut has set Marlins Twitter alight with his take around the, you know, the, the lack of teal for the, you know, ongoing, let's say. So Isaac Azut has set Marlins Twitter alight. We're going to talk about that. I want to talk about arbitration issues and issues I have with the arbitration process more generally. I sense that by the time this episode actually is released, that Luis Arias and maybe Tanner Scott, both of them, their cases may be settled. But I'm going to talk about that as well. And there's also rumors floating around that the Marlins are interested or maybe interested or have checked in or someone's interested in Gio Ursula. Um, man, oh man, like this level of reporting, like just people just make stuff up, right? And just throw it out there like, you know, couple of clubs are interested in, in Gio Urshela. Uh, but nevertheless, the Marlins have been, uh, you know, mooted as potential suitors for Urshela. So, of course, it's locked on Marlins and there's, that's, you know, deemed as news. So we'll talk about that. Let's start with the Jersey issues uh, and we will um, get into the other topics as we go. So Isaac Azud, as I mentioned, he has set Marlins Twitter ablaze, is on fire. Within an hour, there was about 58 million views on this tweet, so many quote tweets. I don't know. You're starting to get into ratio territory, whatever that may be. I'm too old to understand what that means. 
But effectively, the chain reaction here is uh, Nelly on the Caribbean or Caribbean series broadcast, I guess kind of confirming. Did he confirm it? Was it Nelly that's done that? I don't know. But either way, what he said is the Marlins will not be going with the, well, what they will be doing is using the new blue jerseys every Friday game. They'll continue to use the City Connects. I believe that's for every home Saturday game. So the Sugar Kings will be in town every Saturday. The Blues never lose in blue, and they're going to be Fridays. So what does that mean? The byproduct of that means that we now know that the throwback teals that we used last year uh, for those throwback Fridays uh, are in the bin for this year. And for many, that's sad. They have a deep connection with teal. They Their connection with the Marlins dates pre-Loria, I guess, into teal days in, in maybe better days, let's say. When they think of the Marlins, they think of teal. It was nice to have the throwbacks. The Marlins put them back in the bin. Isaac Azud calling out that, and I'm, I'm not, I'm paraphrasing here, but effectively they're throwbacks and it's only special because they're being used for throwbacks. If we were to use them every time, the allure, the luster would disappear and they would just be seen as business as usual and we wouldn't get as hyped over that. It's fair to say many people are disagreeing with that take. Uh, I've even seen the Twitter account, which I think is Bad Marlin's take, has come back to life for the first time in like months. I think he's tweeted since like May of 23. That's how bad this take is from Isaac Azut. The Bad Marlin's take has had to refire the account, having not tweeted from it for nigh on a year, <laughs> which is pretty funny. I completely get where Isaac's coming from. And uh, I understand the point he's making for sure. Many will disagree. Because many at the core of what they believe with the Marlins is that the Marlins should wear teal. You can call them the Miami Marlins. They used to be the Florida Marlins. But they're still the Marlins. And in many people's eyes, their core color scheme will always be teal. You know, there's been a few rebrands since. Loria had his scheme. The new ownership group, Derek Jeter, went for their scheme. And they're tweaking with the scheme. They've obviously... You know, they've gone with these black jerseys along the way. Then they've tweaked them. Now they've gone with the blue jerseys. They've introduced them. The teal pops up every now and again, but it's not a mainstay. That's in the past. The organization seemingly has moved on from that situation. Many of the fan base hasn't. Oh, and frankly, to be honest with you, the way things are attendance-wise, the way things are just generally, I'd put out just like, I really want to connect with the fan base at this point. Like, it feels like a great time to connect and try to work out from a fan base perspective. What's going to move the needle for you? That's the question I'd be asking. When we think of needle movers, what are they? Tell me. Tell me what they are. If it's where teal and that's the number one priority for fans and for them to reconnect with the Marlins and turn up and go to more games and they say, do you know what? If teal was the color scheme, then I'd be back. <laughs> it feels pretty, um, you know, feels ambitious that that would be the situation. But just imagine it. We put a poll out there and the poll says, number one priority, wear teal. That should be you know, immediately brought in. For sure. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I get it. It's new identity, new ownership group. Um, Jason Latimer was on Twitter a few weeks back and kind of giving us some insight, I guess, in terms of like, the jersey creation, 
and, you know, a nod to the teal. But the fact is they've gone their own way. They had a scheme and they felt like it was a scheme that could, you know, be used in, in different ways. And you could spin off it many different ways. And so I get it. Like, there's smarter people around that, that think of these things, you know, marketeers and PR people and, you know, brand awareness and all this kind of stuff. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But I think it's tone death, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think that if you were to ask the fans, the true fans, and they're the ones that influence the young fans, the teal is the gateway to that. In my opinion, teal, and I'm not, I'm not a teal, I'm not a, I'm not from the teal era. But man, oh man, I can tell you one thing. Those teal jerseys look sensational, as Chris Brown would say. They really do. Was that even the right melody? I'm not even sure it was. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They do look sensational. Teal looks immense. Jazz looks immense in it. That's all you need to know. Build jerseys that look good on jazz. It's a pretty simple marketing campaign. And that's the one I'd go with. Um, so Isaac Azud set the world alight. I get where he's coming from. Uh, many people disagree with him. Many people want the teal back and in rotation more regularly. I think they want it more as a prominent scheme. I mean, you know, frankly, to have plain white with no flair, pretty much. Gray with limited, no, less than limited, flare, zero flair. White, boring. Gray, really boring. Black, they've had a bit of a revamp. I kind of like the black on black in the old days, but I guess I understand why they've made the change. And the blues are in, and I like the blues. Um, I always have done. I've always liked that color blue. Sugar King's Flames jersey, no doubt about it. Like an absolute winner from the City Connects. Like I absolutely love that look, no doubt. And many other teams completely botched that situation. So at least the Marlins got that one right, for sure. But there's room for teal in this scheme. Like it's not like you look at the whites and go, they're irreplaceable. <laughs> I mean, it's a white jersey that says, what does it even say on it? Does it say, does it say Miami? I think the white says Miami, doesn't it? Which, considering they're the home team, is the wrong way. The Marlins botched that situation. <laughs> they, their home whites are wrong. They, it should say Marlins on your home, and it doesn't. So, there's room for growth in this jersey selection. It will always continue to be an issue. It will always be an emotive topic for fans. Always will. And I don't think until the teal is brought back just fully that you'll be able to satisfy the past. But I get it. The ownership group wants to move on and wants their own vibe. It is what it is. Let's talk about arbitration. Uh, before we do that, though, let's talk about our first ad. Let's cover our first ad anyway of the day. And it's our good friends over at Game Time. Yes, sir. We've got some game time graphics too, which always helps, no doubt. So, guys, you shouldn't have to worry when you buy tickets to your next big event. No, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With killer last-minute ticket deals, last-minute ticket deals, last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Yes, sir. So, they have... They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event. Right up. Even an hour before it starts, you just sit there and you think, I fancy this. Let's go. Game time is going to cover you. It's the place to find last-minute seats. You can find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And with zone deals, 
you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings and the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. You can't say fairer than that. You really can't. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply again. Create an account and redeem the code locked on for 20 bucks off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, back here with me, Peter Pratt. On Thursday, the 8th of Feb, and we are, we've been talking jersey issues. More issues. Isaac Azut setting Marlon's Twitter ablaze. I want to talk about arbitration. So, one preface to this situation is there may be a reason. There may be a specific reason written in a bylaw or written or steeped in history. I don't know. I should know before making this a specific segment on a podcast that I host. So in theory, I have time to fully prepare for this. However, I haven't because it doesn't matter. The history in the current situation, in my opinion, doesn't matter. You're probably thinking, what the hell is Pete going on about? What? Pete, just say what you want to say, and then we'll see if it's a good point <laughs> or not. I can hear everyone thinking that. So arbitration. Um, I understand the concept of it generally. And, you know, you can negotiate a number pre. If you can't find the number and agree that contract for the next year, then you have to go through the process of each party submitting a number. And then you then have a arbitration panel or person that will then look at the evidence, supporting evidence, and make a decision on one or the other not find a middle ground. They are not a mediator. They're a decision maker based on what is provided. Um, so the thing that's been bothering me with this whole situation, I think it's a, it, it creates a stink and it creates a stink in the fan base because fundamentally, the fans are always going to side with the player. This creates like an animosity between like the fan base and the ownership group, whoever they are, this whole arbitration situation. It maybe it incentivizes the ownership group to actually get deals done with their players so they can avoid arbitration. They don't have that stink attached. Maybe they don't care. But the fan base is always going to see this as a negative against the organization because arbitration, you're always underpaying the players by, depending on what year of arbitration, significant amounts. So the players are underpaid their market value significantly. Then you end up haggling. And it's messy. So what bothers me about this situation is that there, you know, I'm I'm of a mindset that your earnings, your salary, what you are paid is like a very personal thing to you. League minimum is league minimum. And we get it. That is what it is. But arbitration and earnings and negotiations, it's very, very personal. And I have no idea why this whole ab the arbitration process follows a pathway where it's played out in public. Like, what's the need for it to be public? What's the need for us to know what the Marlins have put forward and what Lewis Arias has put forward or what Jazz Chisholm has put forward and what the Marlins have put forward? In the end, we will know the outcome because 
you know, all of this stuff is tracked and has to be tracked for various reporting purposes and salary cap purposes. So we will know the outcome. But in my opinion, there is no value by this arbitration here submission and hearing situation in understanding the values that have been shipped. There's none. Can this not be a private matter where it can be submitted in private like it should be, like any salary negotiation with any typical employer? So why do we have this situation where it plays out in public and all it does is create animosity with the fan base towards the ownership group because they're being cheap, trying to squeeze Jazz for 300 grand and trying to squeeze Tanner Scott for 200 grand or whatever it might be? It doesn't look good. And it's unnecessary. It's truly unnecessary. If there has to be, you know, there has to be a process internally, right? There has to be a process where an arbitration, you know, you know the two values. But I don't need to know that. All I need to know, I really don't need to know this in general, but all I really need to know is what's Jazz Chisholm earning this year? What's his value against, there is no cap, but what's, uh, you know, the value of the, the contract and what's the total value of this Marlins roster. How we get there is kind of irrelevant and not really my business, to be honest. Someone tell me why there is this situation. Or am I just looking through the lens and thinking, you know, I'm asking a question on a, on a process that seems flawed and really should Major League Baseball, the club's, in the arbitration process, just be handled differently. Why is it this way? I don't know the answer. You tell me. But for me, these are personal salary discussions that don't need to be splashed around in public to the degree that they are. All you need to know at the end is the outcome. You will always know the outcome because that's the way it is in sports. But how you got there, I think, is a bit of a privacy invasion, to be honest with you, and adds no value to anyone. None. There is no value to this situation. So I implore Major League Baseball to make a change. Take this away from the public. Let me know what you think, guys. Is this a random Pete rambling? Or do you agree? I don't know. Maybe you do. Um, what we can agree on is that by now, everyone, absolutely everyone, should have signed up to FanDuel. You should have done. If you haven't, it's still time. So. Happy Super Bowl week to all those that celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seats on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks and placing some super bets. Yes, sir. I really like the Chiefs, by the way. I love the Chiefs. Um, I'm really excited, as you've heard from me as well. I'm very, very excited about Usher's Super Bowl performance. His new album, I think, drops tomorrow, so I'm excited for that too. Well-timed on that one too. But FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three, maybe even more. Just go for it. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a TD, of course, how many points will be scored, and so, so much more. New customers join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, guys, final segment here, and a brief one, talking about Gio Urshula connected with the Marlins. 
No official reporting, but loosely connected. I mean, the Marlins will be connected with every potential free agent opportunity that exists. So, Gio Ursula. Um, you know, it's fair to say that he was having a really nice year in 23 with the Angels. End up the Angels, he's almost hitting 300 for the year, Gio Ursula. And so, you know, if Kim Ang was here, she'd be like all over, all over Ursula. Overall, his career numbers, you look at it, and he's got a career OPS plus of 103, um, a nine-war player for his career. You know, he can play a bit of third base and can maybe fill in, can maybe hit, you know, 280-ish, limited amounts of power, not much speed, bit of third. Like, I understand the connection, but frankly, I'm not excited about Gio Ursula. I'd prefer the Marlins to go in a different direction. I like Jake Berger at third base, to be honest with you. I know there's talk about maybe getting him, you know, some DH time, whatever it might be. But for me with Ursula, like, you know, I get it. I think for the Marlins, we're in a situation where it's going to be like, who's left? Who can we sign on a cheap one-year deal that can come in and make and help the club in some sort of way? It could be a minor role. It could be a major role. I don't know. But, we, you know, we know where we're at. Can Gio Ursula add something to the Marlins? Probably yes. Is it going to be a needle mover? Probably not. But it's another depth piece that you know you can count on to put bat on ball, can play some various defensive positions. It's not exciting. It's not overly sexy. But that's the world we're operating in at this point. And so... If Gio Ursula signs with the Marlins, yes, there will be an emergency podcast and I will be waxing lyrical about everything Gio Ursula has ever done and particularly what he will do in 24 when he absolutely mashes for the Marlins. But for now, I'm sitting here thinking there's tons of Gio Ursulas. He's on the list of like, he's okay and serviceable. The Marlins are going to sign a couple of these serviceable dudes. We'll wait to see whether Gio Ursula is one. He has a profile, a value. I personally just look at it and think, I'd much rather let Xavier Edwards roll and let it give him the Gio Ursula playing time, to be honest with you, rather than go and sign Ursula, block Edwards, send him back down to AAA. Let's roll with Xavier Edwards. It's like the fans would get behind that too, rather than signing an old Gio. I say old, that's unfair, but rather than signing Gio Ursula, you know, as a one-year dude, let's just let Xavier roll and let the fan base get behind that. And you know what? They'd be much more behind it if he was wearing teal. That's been Locked On Marlins for Thursday, the 8th of Feb. Thanks for joining me, Peter Pratt, and for making Locked On Marlins your first lesson of the day, guys. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow, and I have a delightful guest joining me. Carson Milbrandt is joining the show. We're going to talk about uh, plenty of things with Carson, including being drafted out of high school, how his first full year went, what he's been working on. Uh, of course, we'll get into what player comps he has for himself. So tons to get into with Carson. Look forward to that one tomorrow. I'll see you then.